Hello and welcome to the Edited Podcast, where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. From fashion, beauty and homeware, myself, Grace Hill, will be chatting to leading experts in the industry to shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. Today, we're deep diving into the evolution of the women's streetwear market. So backed with edited data, we've seen enormous growth of this market with a 53% increase in new arrivals since 2019 and a 50% increase year over year. So it's clear to see that consumers are also responding well to this rise in women's streetwear products, with majority SKU sellouts being up 47% since 2019 too. So what better way to take a step deeper into this world than to speak to two founders of a streetwear brand? On today's episode, we're joined by Ophelia Chen and Abby Leaheimer, the founders of Bobble House, a New York-designed, Shanghai-produced, genderless streetwear brand. Together, we'll be focusing on the evolution of the women's streetwear market and how female-led brands are slowly leading the changes and trends in this primarily male-dominated segment. Hi, Ophelia and Abby. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Of course. Well, thank you. I know we've had a few tech issues (laughs) as the whole world has been seeing recently. So thanks for joining. So could you both start off with giving us a bit about your backgrounds and how you kind of came together to create Bobble House? Sure. I'll just jump right in. Hi, my name is Abby Lerheimer. Um, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design, studied fashion there. And then I moved to New York City and I worked for a couple of corporations. I was a coach, then champion, then Kith. And then about a year and a half ago, I quit my corporate job and we started Bobble House. Yeah, mine is very similar. So I graduated from WashU in St. Louis with a business degree. And then I joined Bloomingdale's to be a assistant buyer and assistant planner for two years before I quit and started Bobble House. (laughs) Amazing. And obviously, you both have, you know, different skill sets. So what are each of your focuses within the business? Yeah, so I'm, you know, more overseeing all of the creative side and visual side. So creative director, head designer, that's what I studied. That's what I, you know, have been in the industry for. That's kind of what I oversee. I oversee everything non-creative, I should say. (laughs) So we work very closely with like a private studio in Shanghai and they helped us with sourcing. But in the very beginning, I, you know, visited all the factories, all the mills, all the production studios. And then now I take care of everything on the financial as well as strategy side. Yep. Amazing. And why did you guys want to create the brand? I think both of us coming from different sides of the fashion industry as it is, right? And seeing it kind of coming out of school very young and fresh and wanting to learn. We absorbed a lot and then we saw a huge opportunity for something different. I personally think the fashion industry, depending on what sector you're in, streetwear or non, is quite antiquated. And there are a lot of processes that are not efficient and just not the way that the world is moving in our generation. So we're like, well, we can't stay here at this X company for a decade and just watch them do that. We have to get out and go do something different. Yeah. And then a lot of time, I think for us, we already have been following the fashion or the retail, I guess, like um, purpose-driven lifestyle way before that those brands have been providing us that. So I think that when we were at corporate, a lot of things just simply didn't make sense. Even though, you know, Abby and I worked so hard to drive the change within, 
it, it was too big to do anything. For us, the most efficient way is to well, let's just start something new from the ground up. And every step of the way, we kind of challenges the status quo. We kind of challenges the the traditional processes, and we call Bobble House a challenger brand because we built it to be future proof. Actually, I think it's so interesting, and the fact that you want to challenge that corporate giant or corporate monster, whatever we want to des- you know describe it as, and definitely have my own experiences of the inefficiencies of working in businesses like that. So, no, so excited to talk more about it. And I think you know, despite predictions from Virgil Abloh that you know streetwear would fizzle out in the 2020s, you know, streetwear's resilience has been unflinching in the face of a global pandemic, you know, reinforcing its evergreen success. So I'd love to hear from you guys on what factors you think have played into streetwear success during the pandemic. I think for us, since we actually launched in May of 2020, which was right at the height of the pandemic, I think the pandemic started off with, you know, these cozy fits and these work from home fits. And of course, streetwear has its staples in things like T-shirts and hoodies and sweats. So that did very well at the beginning, um, I think like the first six to nine months. And that impacted the whole industry when people didn't need to dress up and wanted to be comfortable. But now coming out of it, which I think is an exciting part in the maybe past four to six months, I think streetwear, you know, just as fluid as any fashion category, we're already seeing a shift back into tailoring and looking more put together and going out. And so it's kind of nice that, you know, streetwear can follow really everyday life, right? And these changes that happen pretty quickly. For us, the other thing that we saw is that streetwear is actually one of the most um, personality, quote unquote, or like identity infused. I don't want to say trend, but fashion lifestyle. So I think during the pandemic, you know, a lot of people seek to the online world. I think, um, you know, a lot of musicians and a lot of artists came out with kind of like explosive, creative, like periods. And I think for us is that like somehow we, because we're trapped inside, we want our clothes to be more expressive in a way. And I think that streetwear really kind of um, helped that with everyone. I think especially like us for, for sure. And I think it's like roots in cultural influence. And I love that you say it's like infused with personality. And obviously, its origins are in basic silhouettes and products. But obviously, it is unintentionally found itself in a gender fluid category, I would say. And when we look at edited data, clothing items that have described as, you know, gender neutral, genderless or unisex landing in the streetwear market is up 23% compared to 2019. With Bobble House, you guys have defined yourself as a genderless brand. So why was that an important characteristic to highlight? I think for both Ophelia and I, again, being in fashion and, you know, following a lot of brands, knowing a lot of streetwear brands. It was important for us personally, how we dress to feel comfortable and what we wear every day. But to be honest, the streetwear industry, they categorize women's clothing as very sexy, all tight fitting. And there's only one look for women in streetwear. And we found that we were, you know, shopping just smaller sizes in the men's sections, but we had to sacrifice some of the fit to get those certain designs. And even, you know, in my background, like coming directly from, you know, one of the big streetwear companies, I saw it firsthand where women didn't have as much freedom in, I feel freedom and expression of those silhouettes and of design. So I think for Bobble House, it was specifically challenging that right and making clothing that Ophelia and I actually want to wear and that we feel comfortable in because we matter too we're we're also a voice that we think is representative of a larger group of people 
What we have found is that 65% of Gen Zers already shop outside the designated gender category. So for us, we, again, like going back to why we created Bobble House, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like if you look in my closet right now, and if you look at Abby's closet right now, like maybe half of them you would categorize as menswear. But for us, it's just a shirt. It's just a sweater. It's just pants. We dress the way that we want to feel or that we feel that day. So for us, is that like if identity, if personality are inclusive and fluid, why can't clothes be the same way? Totally. It's almost that kind of like one dimensional element of like, what does a female want to wear? And I think especially with like the, the prevalence of sexy dressing at the moment as well, it's probably even heightened that sense within streetwear. How do you guys think this impacts the future of streetwear? Generally, I just hope that more people will be able to share their clothes more often with each other, you know, regardless of gender. And it's not to say that we're diminishing the female body at all, because the female body is very different than a man's body. So it is very much more challenging, actually, to be unisex than I think people realize. So that I think is the future is finding this balance or finding a way to be a unisex brand that celebrates both bodies, two very different anatomies. And hopefully people will have access to more brands that they admire through that. Yeah, especially that streetwear is meant to be an outlet to show your identity. For us, we want, you know, the future is already leading towards a more inclusive fashion every day. So for us, we want to do the same. You know, why can't guys wear a skirt? Why can't girls wear pants like suits? It, that's just like a very general and stereotypical example. <laughs> I realize that. But I think that we welcome that, you know, the clothes does not define who you are. It just shows a piece of your personality that day. And I guess as well, like, you know, when you look at streetwear brands and throughout the years, obviously, we've seen how women's streetwear clothing has primarily been influenced by maybe male design counterparts. So what factors do you think have played into the design changes in the market? One of the biggest and most prevalent shifts we've seen now is that women's wear is influencing men's wear. And, you know, with very star-studded figures, say like Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet, yeah. who are wearing these more fitted garments with embellishments or even skirts and dresses and things like that. So that's like a silhouette shock, I guess. And that's a direct change. But I also think that like generally streetwear is having uh, what I call logo fatigue, which is, you know, you don't just want a giant, huge Supreme on the front of your shirt. Maybe it's more subtle. So a lot of streetwear brands are now, if they're not having to plaster their logo on the front of something, they have to be more creative. So they have to innovate their silhouette, innovate their fabric, and maybe innovate their color and texture and things like that. So that, you know, from afar, you wouldn't know it's that brand um, other than maybe, you know, how this silhouette looks or how well put together someone looks. And I think that's exciting because it makes it harder to spot. Those kind of garments, I think, last longer. They have a longer shelf life. It'll be really interesting to see how the wider market as well adapts. You know, does streetwear lead with logo fatigue? But Ophelia, I know you've had experience at a variety of brands from, you know, whether that's Mulberry to Bloomingdale's and now as a co-founder. Like, what have you learned about the female consumer specifically? I think the female consumer is more one adventurous Adventurous mean by they're more open to new silhouettes, new colors. Number two is female consumers are tend to be more sensible about the fabric and about the purpose of the brand, whether it be mission driven or not. And three, I think they're more sensitive to the brand 
inclusivity or the welcomeness. And what I meant by that is that, you know, when you walk into the store, whether the store is intimidating or not, the atmosphere, I think a lot of female customer is more sensitive to it. Because what I have found is that when, when I walk into a, let's say a Supreme store in New York or like a um, extra butter or et cetera, like immediately I can feel like intimidation just because of the atmosphere of the space. So we made a purpose of like creating Bobble House to be the opposite of that. We want to be the most welcoming, <laughs> the most bright, the most like sunshiny lit <laughs> shop. I definitely saw that on your guys' Instagram at your Ludlow Street uh, pop-up. It was like filled with color and just fun and energy. Um, and I guess to add to that, what have you learned about the rapid trend of changes, I guess, within a female consumer? And you know, how are you guys hoping to meet that demand at Bubble House? I wouldn't say it's a rapid trend of change, but rather it's an evolution of customer behavior. You know, what comes next of fast fashion? And I think it's also like the market that we are targeting rather than the entire female customer as a whole. So if you ask anyone, Bobble House is more than just a fashion brand. We are a community. We call ourselves a challenger brand because it is created to be future proof. But more than that is that every collection we aim to be more size inclusive and more sustainable. For example, the next collection that we come out, a collaboration is going to be extra small to extra, extra large. Our pop-up or any physical interaction or digital interaction that we have with our customer, we want it to be interactive. We want it to be fun. We want it to be inviting. And eventually we want to combine the physical retail with interactive technology as well. So we think that this kind of world, like omni-destination of combining or connecting online and offline, not in a very forceful or in a very hard way, but rather in a very soft and interactive that is infused and seamlessly in everyone's, you know, live on your mobile device, which is a portal that I see. <laughs> that's how we see the future of retail is going, right? Because that's where you find your personality. That's where you find kind of like your identity. Everything is online now. So why not make, you know, the future of retail to be there as well? Could you share with us any maybe examples of things that you guys are looking into when in terms of like connecting that, you know, creating that more omnichannel experience and, and mobile you know, capabilities when it comes to your brand and experience? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, uh, this is actually, sorry, like, I'm being nosy. No, 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 but, but this is, I'm, I'm actually so excited about this because like I was telling Abby, we're going in more of like the nerdiness of ourselves. So let me explain that is that like the next thing that we're exploring is like something alongside of like animation, cartoons, like virtual reality and gaming. Yeah. Which is like the broadest thing I can ever say. But, you know, <laughs> a little sneak peek. Yeah, it's kind of more just focused in the tech industry, right? I, I think that fashion and tech already have started to intersect. And a lot of people, like the very, very bright people in fashion have, quote unquote, left the fashion industry for tech, right? Um, so we, we know that that's the way that it's going. And innovation in tech doesn't mean like putting a microchip in your clothing or something like that. It's, it's creating these experiences that are like every day that can blend with you know, your fashion. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. <laughs> um, so Abby, obviously, as you've mentioned already that you've had, you know, great experience as a designer for like streetwear heavyweights, whether that's Kith and Champion, but now as a co-founder of your own brand, like what have you learned about designing specifically for streetwear and that market over the years? 
I've learned so much, but I think one of the things that stuck with me with one of my great, great bosses at Champion, he was probably the best boss I ever had. He always told me, like, find your signature, whatever that is. And he he would tell me, and it's not a depressing statement, but he would always tell me that there's actually very little originality in streetwear. And that's true to a certain extent, say with Silhouette and things like that, and all of the heavyweights kind of you know, copy each other and do versions of what they do for each other. So that is, you know, a big challenge to live up to where you can see something, see a detail, even not just a graphic or or a design, but a, a small detail, a new buckle, a new zipper that you invented, essentially, that becomes your signature. And I think that's a great challenge to have. And you keep developing it with every single collection and not such a tangible thing that I've learned, which, you know, I think is also the the future of where we're going is how hype culture, I hope, will slow down a little bit. It's, and it won't be so much of like this hamster on a wheel where the consumer is just waiting for the new product. And then as soon as it drops, they spend a lot of money on it. But then they immediately feel this sense of loss, like, oh, when, when am I going to get the next thing? So they're kind of never satisfied. And I only think that can go on for so many years maybe like a decade or longer, right? One, because the consumer will run out of money, but two, it's not actually fulfilling them. So I hope that streetwear becomes less about that really immediate hype and kind of filling that empty hole and more about the fulfilling feelings, which again, I know will take a little while, but I hope that's where we're going. I think hopefully as well with education of consumers as well, like do people really need to continue to buy more? Do they need more stuff? And hopefully... You know, we know that Gen Zs are, uh, you know, passionate about uh, the environment and sustainability. So hopefully they can be kind of a driver of change. But one thing I did want to ask based on that kind of sentiment of like finding your signature, do you have a signature that runs like consistently throughout all of your collections, Abby? So far with Bobble House, we're really trying to like develop the core product and in silhouette, yes, but actually I think more in fabrication because we only use 100%, you know, recycled cotton. And then we also use this signature fabric called Tencel, which is actually compostable in eight weeks. It's made from wood chips, which is really cool. So it's like this very silky, soft um, woven fabric that, you know, has a great drape and a great look and comes in many, many colors. So I think that is becoming part of our, I mean, it already is part of our identity, but people are starting to recognize us for those feel of the actual garments that they feel great and they feel like they're going to last a long time while also being eco-friendly. There are obviously other female-owned brands like your own, like whether that's X-Girl, Misbehave, Take On. Why do you feel there are so few founders and brands in the world of streetwear? I think this goes back to what Ophelia said earlier, that it's kind of intimidating. And if you don't, you know, have maybe previous knowledge or even a few like network connections in the industry, it feels like the big names are already kind of covering it, right? So yeah, you just kind of have to have the balls to go out and do it and be confident enough, but you know, still open enough to be like, there is, you know, like we we were saying that market for people who think like us as well. And we've learned a lot, right? Being women and being Asian women in this industry that, you know, you'll get a lot of no's or not even a call or an answer or any of those things. And you just have to keep going. It's It's the resilience. And I think that's unfortunately why there's so few female founders. 
I think as well, like listening to the consumer, right? The data shows as evidently appetite for women's streetwear. And like, as you said, like it's, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I wish I had the balls to go up and start my own thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's super impressive that you guys have taken that leap. I do want to say one thing though. And I, and I want to say this to like all the women in the world is that like, I think every woman have the set of balls to do it. Just do it. We need to hype ourselves up. We do. Like women, we need to hype ourselves up. And that's exactly like what my mentor told me is that like you need to brag about yourself. You need to like think about yourself more confidently. You know, like when you walk into the room, be you. Like you deserve the space that you have in that room. Remember that. And that was like the best advice I've ever heard because I have the same exact right than anyone in this room that has. It's so weird that you said that. I found this article. One of the tips in it was that also remember that you're probably in a room surrounded by other people that are feeling the same way. So like it's not just you, which is, I guess, comforting in some senses. But obviously, you know, diversity and inclusion are very much at the center of, you know, many retail brands. Um, But how do you feel the inclusivity of your brand could positively impact the future of the streetwear market? I definitely think diversity and inclusivity, even like genderless unisex are very popular buzzwords currently, which at least they're positive. But, you know, it toes a line of certain large companies when you don't know what they're actually doing behind the scenes still and and in their companies. So I think for Bobble House, yes, of course, we're we're based on inclusivity and diversity. And that is just at our core. And it's actually not our main selling point, which I think is interesting. Because some brands, you know, after the fact of being established, will add those things on to become, you know, more attainable or sellable in a way, right? But these things were always the message for Bobble House. And from the ground up, they will always be, right? So I think that shows. And we also know that Bobble House isn't for everyone as well. Like if it's not for you, that's okay. But for the people that it is for, they feel that pull and resonate with us so much stronger, which I think builds an even stronger community than just kind of being like halfway in, halfway out on those type of things. Here's like a funny story. I think way back when, when Baba House first started, you know, we say that we are a Asian American family brand, right? And a lot of people ask, oh, is it for Asians? It was funny because in the beginning, we're, we were explaining ourselves. We're like, no, 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 this is for everyone. But then a few months in, we're like, wait, hold on. This is for everyone. Like, we don't need to explain ourselves for every single action. We just go do it. And then people will understand, oh, anything that we do is accepted here. So overall, like Bobble House is much less intimidating, but it's also like by being open ourselves, like this is who we are. This is our identity. Take it, not take it or leave it, but like by showing vulnerability ourselves, I think it opens a certain feeling, exactly what Abby says, that the customer sees and feels and touches when they enter the Bobble House space. You know, there's a pun there, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, right? Like from your founding principles, right? Even though you don't shout about it in the same way that maybe other brands use it as like a marketing strategy. It was there from day one that that's important to your brand. And yeah, I mean, shocking that people say, is it just for Asians? But, you know, hopefully you will be changing their opinion and obviously the success that you guys are seeing. So, you know, I'd love to know more about that and like what your overall strategy strategy for growth is for the brand within the market and and kind of how do you plan you know to continue to grow and make an impact within this market 
I can just speak from the design side of strategy. I think already we've been seeing a shift um, into like smaller drops, right? So dropping more often and a lot of streetwear brands do this, right? You drop more often and with fewer products just to keep people's attention. So that's just kind of like consumer behavior. And then within actual design, I mean, basically what we touched on earlier is kind of going into the tech space and making sure that these clothing items, right? And silhouettes are timeless. That's one of my biggest goals. It's like, of course, I am, you know, aware and research trends and what is going on right now, of course. But uh, the goal is really for these pieces to become long term pieces in someone's closet, that they love these silhouettes, they come back, you know, five, 10 years later when they need a new one and things like that. So that it's not just this quick one-time purchase that you didn't think about and then you never think about the brand again. It's kind of becoming integrated in someone's life. And I guess you guys have made such a focus on fabrication too, right? In the sense that you're able to offer a product that's durable and is going to be able to withstand that length of life. From the brand strategy side, I think that Bubble House is a lifestyle brand, right? It's a community brand. And for us is that to keep growing it is to explore different categories and different aspects of the brand itself in the lifestyle sense. For example, you know, genderless um, intimates or, you know, genderless sneakers, which is one of my biggest pain points because I don't know why female sneakers always look worse than male sneakers. I've been saying this for like a God knows how long. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, like I need to find like the male version of it and then find it in like size four or size five. And I actually compare it as women's and they just design different, you know, which makes sense. But for me, just like, oh, it doesn't look the same. So yeah, so from that perspective and then also from the community perspective, we want to do more. One thing that... Abby and I are very passionate about is like, well, how can we do more for the environment? How can we do more for the community? More than just being inclusive, but how can we bring everyone together tighter and give back to the community more as well, the best that we can do. And obviously, like Bobble Blogs was an important part of, you know, how you guys started. Like, how do you see that playing into, you know, your growth as well and, and your future strategy? So when we first started Bubble Blogs, actually, we wanted to create a platform for Gen Zers around the world, especially of Asian descent, to share their life experiences, to share their inspiration in music, in arts and in creatives, but also a platform to share their stories because we definitely see a lot of commonalities between them. Doesn't matter if you're from London, Amsterdam, Jakarta, New York, Singapore. There are a lot of cultural similarities that that's what I found. And for us is that that is where the community kind of originated, but that's not where it stops for us. Our goal probably this year and next year is for Bubble Blocks eventually to grow more in depth. We think that changes come from conversation. You know, the first step is let's talk about it. Let's bring this to the table and have a discussion and be open about this. And then we'll bring about change. Well, let's do more of that. Let's dive a little deeper. In May of 2021, we had a APIHN panel where we invited five influential, you know, Asian Americans or Asian descents in the community to speak about anti-Asian hate as well as, you know, the mental health within the Asian community. And for us, that's something very, very important. And the whole panel lasted an hour and a half. But for us, it was it was more than that. It was that we brought this conversation to the table. Everyone shared their own personal story and it was extremely touching. And we want to do more of that. Like that's that that's what we want to go for. And Baba Blogs, we don't want it to just be limited 
to one format. You know, right now, like ninety five percent of them are in words, but we want to do more interviews. We want to do more um, potential podcasts. We want to do films. We want to do music. We want to do art and graphics and more of that. It just simply is a platform for you to show your voice and let's push conversations forward. To recap a little, but I think that the main goal of Bobble Blogs, and it's actually what I, you know, tell people when they ask about it, is it actually started a year before we launched the fashion brand. So Ophelia found these, you know, now 20 writers from all over the world of Asian descent who are Gen Z and started the blog well before any product was made because the community was the main goal and is still the main goal of this brand. Um, so blogs were being produced and written and all of these things to kind of forecast what was coming next. And we think that's a great thing because, you know, again, a lot of brands are now adding a blog, quote unquote, after the fact to try to make themselves more community based, where it was like, again, this was it from the beginning. And again, it took a long time to find, you know, these this community, but it's worth it. And they have been with us, you know, for the entire journey. And they're so excited when they see, you know, a new collection, everything. So I think that was a great thing that Ophelia did was finding the blog and doing that before the fashion. And I think you said something that was quite interesting there. Um, Abby was like, you know, understanding what's coming next and obviously like sport influences to like the popularity of cozy items, like streetwear trends are always evolving based on like you know, current events or what's happening within pop culture. And we've seen it edited, you know, a 14% uptick in investment of basketball shorts. And obviously that's off the back of NBA's, you know, global influence. So from your perspective like what trends are you guys seeing emerge but also any tips that you can give smaller streetwear brands in navigating the fast-paced you know changing styles and consumer trends as well I think this is a really really important question especially when you bring up like basketball short like say like mesh shorts um being a trend also like Carhartt style pants, right? Like these carpenter pants with um, contrast stitching of heavy canvas. That's, you know, everyone's making their own version of a Carhartt right now. I think the way a small brand can navigate that is literally by letting the big players in those capacities jump on the trends and let them do it actually. Because if you try to compete with the huge established brands of doing that specific trend and you just like do your own basketball short and Carhartt pant, it will be very difficult because why would they buy yours of some brand they never heard of over this cool brand that's doing it? So it's like take those trends into consideration and see what your version or what your customer would like that's similar maybe in the same vein or in the same comfort level in the same type of fabric um, and trend, but don't do like a carbon copy because it probably won't do as well as you think. <laughs> That's very wise words. <laughs> and, you know, obviously based on edited data, you know, current top trends in streetwear are, you know, the classic matching sets, bold hues, oversized silhouettes, and, and obviously soft core. As Chief Creative Officer Abby, where and what is the inspiration behind Bobble House's products and how do you guys stay on trend, but also unique within your designs, as you've obviously just mentioned, being so important? 
I think the inspiration behind Bottle House, and not to sound cliche, um, is <laughs> what Ophelia and I are seeing as trends and what we like to wear. Because again, it's not always traditionally like very women's wear. So how we refer to it is timeless high street. So we are, we do like suiting, we like tailoring, we like more put together looks, button ups. And I think like I was saying before, our kind of core product has become like this short sleeve button up shirt with a matching pant in um, our tensile fabric, which we are already being recognized for, which is good, like that you can kind of tell that's a style. So we both were born in China, but grew up in America. So we're very inspired by our American friends, the way they dress and consume, but also still have this cultural tie to, you know, the way that our Chinese friends, um, culturally Chinese, are dressing and seeing like, you know, kind of the global shift between the two. They're very, very different. And so I feel like us falling somewhere in between is really special because no one thinks that same way that we do. And when it comes out in the clothing, people see that there's like something a little bit different and maybe they just can't tell what it is. And I think that's that's a special part for Bobble House. Yeah, I guess it's a very unique perspective, right? Like the fact that you're able to infuse both sides and and, and create your your own product. So a final question for the both of you. <laughs> obviously, Abby, you mentioned the Carhartt pan and obviously everyone jumping on that right now. And also you did mention, obviously, you know, kind of the tailoring and like how that is influencing streetwear, which I think is so interesting. And obviously products that are so important to you with the with the button up. But what a do you think are going to be some popular standout female streetwear trends to come? I think that soft wovens and tailoring is coming back, but there has to be a space where these, you know, again, button up shirts, suit sets, soft woven pants can be more fun and exciting than what is out there right now. And at an affordable price point, because say you have acne or something that is kind of of that style, acne or Balenciaga even. But that price point is so designer that a lot of people can't access it. So there has to be something that's in between that's like really fun, really Gen Z, but is more put together than your typical streetwear, like cozy type of things. I just described Bobble House, basically. <laughs> I love that. I, I was listening. I was like, check, check, check. I think that like what is next is that exaggeration. Actually, I think that or exploration of prints of color, you know, like they say, like the 20s is coming back. The 90s is coming back. The Y2K is coming back. I personally think it's just like there's going to be more statement pieces that have been different from before. Maybe the silhouette is still the same, but definitely more expressive. Those are definitely coming. I'm very excited, actually. Yeah. The taking up space part that we like mentioned earlier, right? It's not just a mental thing. It's a physical thing. You want to be the brightest thing walking down that street and it like all connects if you're like physically there, mentally there. And then, yeah. Like one of our customers bought the bright pink tensile set and she walked in one of our stores and she said, I was walking down Fifth Avenue and I feel like I was the brightest thing on the street. I was like, good, perfect. She's like, I was like a disco ball. It was cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to hear, yeah. right? And obviously people will have seen her and been like, wow, she looks amazing in this bright pink set. Yeah. <laughs> Where can I get that? Exactly. And it's not because she's showing skin. You know, it was a button down set with tailor pants silhouette. It wasn't because, you know, she was dressing sexy or anything. It was simply because she was her. 
Well, what a lovely, bright, happy note to end on, right? (laughs) So thank you both so much for coming on. Um, It's been fantastic hearing about your guys' background, Bobble House, and, you know, what you have planned for the future. So we can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Edited Podcast. Thank you to today's guests, Ophelia Chen and Abby Leaheimer, the founders of Bobble House. If you've enjoyed our conversation on women's streetwear, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast where you can stay up to date on all future episodes. And if you want to read any of our data on this market, then all of the links can be found in the description of this episode. And if you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated Edited team member if you have any questions. And for all of our listeners, please ensure you're subscribed to our Insider Briefing, where you can get all of our latest data analysis and strategies for the retail industry. We'd love to know what you would like to hear in our podcast. And if you have any suggestions for themes or guests, you can get in touch with us on our Instagram at edited underscore HQ. I'm Grace Hill, and I will see you next time. Bye.